one of the first things that happens when the power goes out, especially when it's winter, is that you start to notice how quickly your house cools off. And it's kind of an unsettling feeling, especially when you don't have a way to remedy that problem. It really leaves you feeling vulnerable. Or maybe it's not a power outage, but rather you're looking at your heating bill, your electricity bill, and you're kind of thinking, oof, that hurts. Let's figure out another option. So in today's episode, we are going to explore this idea of wood heat for your homestead or maybe just your house in town. I'll share our journey of wood heat, how we make it work for us, even out here on the treeless prairie. And we'll also talk about some cooking options that you can use when the power goes out or even just as an off-grid cooking source. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So I think this idea I shared in the very first episode of this season that, you know, we're being prepared. We're not preparing out of fear. We're preparing out of our desire to be resilient and our desire to improve our quality of life now and not just be ready for the zombies. And if our preparedness happens to help with the zombies, then cool. But other than that, we're going to benefit from these choices here and now. And I feel like wood heat is the perfect example of this concept. Now, I think I've done a couple episodes on wood heat in the past. Honestly, there there are so many episodes now in this podcast library. I'm having a hard time remembering what was what, but I, I believe there's a couple, but you guys know, I am a huge fan of our wood stove. We have used it since well, it was right before we remodeled our house. So 2013, I think we put in our first wood stove. Prior to that, the house, when we bought it, had a furnace, a propane furnace, and I just didn't like it. I was always grouchy about it because the house also had poor insulation, as most old farmhouses do. And so that furnace would run 24-7 in the winter when the wind would blow, which is every day here (laughs) in the winter. And it never really felt warm and sometimes like, well, this, the insulation in the windows were so bad when the wind would blow, I would see our curtains move on the inside of the house. So it was just really inefficient. It was very expensive. And so for the longest time, Christian and I were a little bit stuck because we're like, our house is really small and you should have seen our living room. Like, I don't think I've posted many pictures of it from back in the day. It was like smaller than most people's master bedrooms. And it had two doors and two windows, actually three doorways. And we're like, where do we put a wood stove? Because all we had was this corner and there was a window in the corner. So we got real creative and figured out how to kind of stick a corner fireplace around there. And we built it out of brick and then we made the window work and it it was great. And just finally having a wood stove again (laughs) was the best feeling ever because that's what I grew up with. Even growing up in town, uh, my parents also loved wood heat and they 
still heat with wood to this day, actually. And they have an old Fisher stove upstairs and cutting firewood and stacking firewood was a part of my childhood. And so it just feels very natural to me. And I also just adore the feeling of being to stand, to be able to stand next to a fire on a cold day. It's just the best feeling ever. So I'm a fan and I know wood heat isn't possible for everyone. I know it depends on where you live and sometimes living in um, like a manufactured home. Sometimes there's different issues you have to consider with insurance. So do your, do your homework before you just go start wood stove shopping. But I think it's something really smart to consider, especially around this topic of being prepared because you are totally in control of your heat if you have a wood stove and the power goes off. And one of the things that I love about our stove is like, you know, our blizzard a couple weeks ago, the town south of us, ironically, the town lost power or a portion of the town did. We did not, which is just weird because we're the ones who are isolated. And I figured if anybody was going to be without power for 40 hours, it would be us. And it actually was the town folks. Anyway, we had that knowledge that the power could very likely go out. And the problem with that storm was there was so much snow there was no way the linemen could get to the power lines to fix them for days and days. So we knew if our power went out, um, we would be out for a while. And we had some things prepared in case that were to happen. It never did, but in case it did. And one of the things was just like this reassurance knowing, hey, we have all the firewood in the world. So it can be nasty outside and we can have no power. And it might be inconvenient because we can't take a shower, but we've definitely got the warmth in our house. And that's really, really reassuring. Um, a couple things to keep in mind. And here's what I wanted to kind of focus on around wood heat today. I did a YouTube video. Um, it was a month or two ago, maybe longer than that, talking about wood stove mistakes. And it was really popular. And I think it was popular because a lot of people are making these mistakes and getting frustrated with their wood heat um, because it's not working out quite like they hope. So here are a few thoughts. If you are considering wood or maybe you have a wood stove and it's not working for you as well as you would like it to, or you're feeling like it's a huge hassle, um, some things to consider. Number one, make sure you are using an efficient model of a stove. And I feel like this is tough love for many folks because there's a lot of cool old, old stoves out there. Maybe you inherited a stove or you found a neat antique one. They're awesome, but they're not always going to be the workhorse you need them to be to actually heat your home efficiently. And this was a very hard topic for Christian and I to come to terms with. Actually, hard for me. He was good with it. There may have been a few arguments over this because I wanted an old antique wood stove when we were shopping around for our house. And he was like, we cannot do that. It has to be efficient. And it has to be something that we're not having to feed with wood constantly. And you know what? He was right because we got a model that is designed to be an actual primary source of heat. And I'm so glad we did. We have a Blaze King Princess model. I'm not going to say the Blaze King is the only good brand of stove. I don't know enough about the different brands to give you um, solid advice on that. I know we've been very, very happy with it. And we have a stove with a catalytic converter, which can be a pretty hot topic. Some people hate them. Some people love them. 
I personally have loved ours. And what it does is it basically burns the smoke. I think I'm explaining that right. So you kind of get more bang for your buck out of the wood you're burning. You know, normally that smoke just goes up out into the air, but this way we're getting more out of it and it makes the wood more efficient and it's not tricky to use. Now, one of the things that the catalytic converter haters will say, I'm not saying haters in a bad way, just the ones who, people who don't like catalytic converters, they will say that they get gummed up and you have to constantly replace them. Now, knock on wood, that has not happened to us thus far. We have never had an issue with it. It just keeps on trucking. Um, we are burning pine because that's all we have. And I think that's one of the, if I recall, one of the worst woods to burn in a catalytic converter because it gets gummed up faster. But I don't know. It's been great for us. And if I were to buy another stove, I think I would get a catalytic converter. But, you know, do your research. Talk to the stove experts in your area. Um, but, yeah, that's our experience at least. We are able with this Blaze King to full it, fill it full of wood, like let's say in the morning, and as long as you're packing in there strategically, and we control it with the a dial on the side, which is controlling the airflow in lieu of the old fashioned dampers, right? It's a little more precision. And as long as we are managing it, we keep it right in the middle, about it's from one to three, and we keep the dial on about a two, we don't have to fill the stove again until before we go to bed. So if we're gone for the day, we fill up the stove and set it and forget it, basically. And we come home to a warm house. And that is everything because the stove I grew up with was an old Fisher, right? Looks super cool, but not as efficient. So when we would be gone for the day growing up, we'd walk in a freezing house and mom and dad would be rushing around to start a fire. And I'm kind of glad that we don't have to do that since we don't have to. So, um... Efficient models, I believe, are absolutely worth the money. Remember, this is going to be a big part of your life. Like, this is going to be replacing some of your heating bills, your electricity bills. Like, you want to get something good. So save up if you need to and get a good model. As far as the wood itself, I think another, another one of the things that gets people a little stuck is using the wrong type of wood. And... Pine, honestly, isn't the greatest. Pine will burn a little faster. It's not the best option in the world, but it's all we have out here on the prairie. And actually, sometimes people are like, where do you get the wood? Because they've seen pictures where there's like no trees. Um, we get it trucked in from the mountains about two hours away. So once a year or sometimes once every other year, a big semi truck, a logging truck will come into the homestead and dump off a whole bunch of logs, like straight up logs right out of the forest. And then we do the work, <clears throat> excuse me, we do the work to cut those up and split them. It is work for sure. Um, we don't mind it. And I think it's one of those things, there are areas in my life where I love convenience, like washing machines. I'm probably always going to have a washing machine as long as I can. But I, we love the manual labor of splitting and stacking and the chainsaw. I don't run the chainsaw. Christian does. <laughs> and the kids help and sometimes friends come over and help. And I, I think it's a good wholesome way to get some exercise. So that doesn't bother us. And maybe, maybe just maybe, I don't know. We wouldn't have to all go to the gym as much if we wove some of these old fashioned 
physical labor pieces into our life. You know what I mean? Uh, just a thought. I still go to the gym or the gym is in my shop. I still work out, but I sure love the days when I can get my workout while doing something productive while being outside and getting a chore done. Like that's the very best. So we use pine. You want to use a hardwood though. If you can find it in your area, avoid like sometimes there's junk woods. They're just like rotting or they're um, like, a, like cottonwood trees. There are a lot of old cottonwoods in our area. And a lot of times they've kind of lived past their prime and they die and they fall over. And so people are cutting them up and wanting to burn them and you can burn them, but it's like burning toilet paper. It just goes so fast, especially if they're rotting at all. And if you're burning something like cottonwood, you're going to be constantly filling your stove. So it's not that you sh you can't or you shouldn't, but keep in mind, if you're going for efficiency, you want a, a harder wood. Um, along with that, there's also the idea of green wood. You don't want to be burning green wood. It's going to be just way harder to use. So make sure your wood is well cured. So it needs to be sitting for at least six months after it's cut down. If the tree was live, we don't use trees or wood or whatever that was live in any recent amount of time. Our wood um, comes from trees that were beetle killed. We have a huge issue with pine beetle here in Wyoming. It's not great. It's actually really devastating to the forests. But one thing that happens is those trees die and then those are harvested for firewood. So the trees that we're getting have been dead for a while. So we don't have to worry so much about curing the wood, but if you're chopping down green trees, make sure you're letting that wood sit. So I'm a fan. Um, needless to say, it takes more work. Yes, but you just can't beat it. It's like totally a quality of life thing for me, which sounds silly as I'm, you know, out there in my slippers on the snowy porch hauling wood in at 9 p.m. at night, but it is a quality of life thing. Like I wouldn't trade it for the world. And when I do stay somewhere that doesn't have wood heat, like I miss it. I want to go stand by the fire. Um, okay, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about cooking off grid or cooking without power. Now you guys heard Amber um, from My Homestead Life when she was on the other episodes talk a little bit about cooking. So obviously we're not near as committed to the off-grid lifestyle as she is, but one thing that we do that I think a lot of you could do as well, if you haven't already, just to have one step closer to preparedness is having a gas cook stove. Just, you can get them at Lowe's. They're not that expensive, right? Just somehow see if you can figure out how to get rid of your electric range and put in a propane stove or a gas stove instead that is a really big deal um, for us, knowing that I can still cook when the power goes out. It was two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, we had family here over Thanksgiving and we got a massive snowstorm right over Thanksgiving. Uh, and I wanted to cook for folks. And I had this roast chicken dinner planned with rolls and potatoes and the whole nine yards and everything was ready. And the power went off that morning. So I was like, you know what? We are going to figure out how to cook this stuff because I'm not going to let it go to waste because my like my bread was rising. I'm like, what am I going to do? I have nowhere to cook this. So we figured out how to cook everything on our cooktop. And you can light the burners with a match, right? If you have a gas stove, that, that works. Um, I know the instruction manual will tell you not to do that, but 
I do it anyway, and I'm very careful. So proceed at your own risk, but it does work. I think there's a way, or at least somebody said they light their pilot, or excuse me, they light their inside of their stove, their oven as well, with a match. I haven't tried that. I feel like you'd need to be even more careful, like sticking your head in the oven and lighting it <laughs> manually. So don't go try that without some research and proper safety precautions first. But at the very least, when the power goes out, I can cook on the stovetop. And that one day with family here, I made rolls on the stovetop and I did chicken on the stovetop and all kinds of stuff. So you can get a lot done uh, that way, even if you can't get your oven to work. And, you know, I don't know, every time I see a homesteader with an electric range, I'm like, save your pennies and dump that electric range as fast as you can. Because not only do you have this consideration of power going out, but it also, you're going to be so much happier with a gas range for your canning. You can kind of get away with an electric range or, well, and even a flat top is kind of the one I was thinking. Flat top ranges will work for canning. That's like a really popular electric model, but um, you're going to be so much happier if you have a gas range. So I know that's a little tricky depending on where you live. You might not have the proper setup, but it's something to put on your goal list if nothing else. One question we get a lot and something that I would like to work better than it does, but it just doesn't quite jive for me is cooking on our wood stove. Now, can it be done with some wood stove models? Yes, absolutely. And I think actually an older, more efficient model of a stove, like the one my parents have, of old Fisher, would probably do a lot better as a combo cook stove. You know, if I wanted to put a pot of chili on it or heat up some water for coffee or experiment with that in the instance of a power outage, that's definitely worth a try. In fact, we have an old Fisher in our shop. And one day when the power go out, power went out, I experimented with bringing out some rolls and cooking them on the, I think it was, was it inside? I think we put, oh, I know what we did. We put um, charcoal briquettes or some coals or something on top of the stove, you know, it's cast iron, and then put a Dutch oven on top and cooked that way. So it wasn't technically inside the stove or on top of the stove, it was just using the stove as a cook surface. So disregard that as a super applicable example. But here's the problem with our Blaze King. Trying to cook on that, because it is efficient, to get it hot enough on the top of the stove to boil water or cook soup, like that sucker is going to have to be roaring and it's probably going to run you out of the house. <laughs> and I experimented with it a little bit and it was just a little disappointing because I had to have it so dang hot just to get very low temperatures to work on top of the stovetop. So depending on what type of stove you have, you may or may not be able to cook on top of it. Um, Trust me, if I could figure out a way to finagle an old school wood cook stove in my kitchen, I would do it. And I have tried. I have seen some gorgeous cook stoves on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. And I have begged and pleaded and tape measured it out with Christian. And he's like, honey, there's no way. Our kitchen literally could not accommodate a wood cook stove unless we completely remodeled the house again. So... That's not in my future, but I know a number of homesteaders that I know have P3 
beautiful old wood cook stoves and they use them for heating their home. They use them for cooking their food and that's an awesome option. So if you have one of those, I am super jealous, uh, but it may or may not work for those of you who have a regular wood stove as well. So all in all, I think it's just talking about baby steps, right? Talking about and prioritizing the things that are going to bring you quality of life now, right? A, a gas range brings me quality of life every day. I love cooking on it. It's better for canning. It's better for everything I do. I love the even heat and the quicker uh, heating up times on the burners. And it also works really, really well in the instance of power outages. Same goes for the wood stove. So just things to consider uh, as you work on building your resilience and getting more creative ways to buck the system. So I'd love to hear, shoot me a message. Number one, if you have an old cook stove, I want to see it because I love to drool over them. And I'd love to hear how you have come up with creative ways to deal with the question of heat or cooking fuel in the instance of some sort of power outage or something along those lines. Now, the cool thing about both of these options that we talked about today, you do not have to live out in the middle of nowhere or in the country to implement these things. It's absolutely possible to do wood heat, gas cook stoves in most houses in town, I would say. And there might be a few things to work around, but with a little bit of creativity and thinking outside the box, I'm guessing that you'll easily be able to get it done. So good luck as you push forward with your plans. Definitely shoot me a message. I'd love to hear how it's going for you. In the meantime, to keep in touch as you're waiting for the next episode, be sure to check things out over on Instagram. I'm at the Prairie Homestead. I post a lot about our life, our day-to-day -day happenings over there. And if you're taking a break from social media right now, I would love to have you join our email community. I send an email about once a week, so I'm not going to flood your inbox. But you can join that over at theprairiehomestead.com slash layout. And I have it titled slash layout because you get a free guide to laying out your homestead when you sign up. So bonus. And that's it for today, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. And we will talk more on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. <laughs>